please, and turn to the book of Nehemiah once again, the book of Nehemiah. We are not going to be in here on Wednesday night. We're going to be in the fellowship hall with a great time of fellowship. We have Old Bob's Barbecue that's going to be catered in on Wednesday night. And we have barbecue and uh, hush puppies and slaw and just baked beans and all kind of stuff uh, out there. And uh, that's going to be our main part of the service. We're just going to fellowship and eat. And then we're going to take about 30 minutes or so toward the end of that. We're going to have a question and answer session. And so any question that you want to ask, uh, a lot of you came out this morning, had some great questions after the Sunday school time and the service time. And, uh, and so any question that you'd like to ask. So we're not going to be in here Wednesday night. So we have been in a, in a, in a little bit of a, what I would call a mini-series maybe. We've been in a mini-series uh, about this thing of worship. What's so wonderful about worship? And, uh, and so since we're not going to be in here Wednesday, we're going to go ahead and go a little further with this tonight. And so uh, Nehemiah chapter 8 in your Bibles, when you find your places, if you're able to stand, let's stand out of respect for the reading of God's Word. And I would, I would just tell you this, we're going, to lead a, we're going to read a lot of Scripture tonight, not just right now, but uh, in just a bit, we're going to be going to several, several different places in our Bible tonight. So keep your Bibles handy if you would, and, uh, I, but I believe it'll be a blessing to you. So Nehemiah chapter 8. And uh, verse number one, and all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street that was before the water gate. And they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord had commanded to Israel. And Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both of men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday before the men and the women and those that could understand and the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. And Ezra the scribe stood upon a pulpit of wood, which they had made for the purpose. Beside him stood Mattathiah, Sheman, Aenead, Urijan, Hilkiah, Messiah, on his right hand. And on his left hand, Padaiah, and Mishael, and Malchiah, and Hashem, and Hashpadana, Zechariah, and Meshulam. And Ezra opened the book in the sight of all the people, for he was above all the people. And when he opened it, all the people stood up. And Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all the people answered, Amen, Amen, with lifting up their hands. And they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Also, Jeshua and Bani and Sherebiah, Jamin, Akab, Shabbathai, Hodijah, Messiah, Kalida, Azariah, Jozabad, Hanan, Peleah, and the Levites caused the people to understand the law. And the people stood in their place. So they read in the book of the law of God distinctly and gave the sense. And caused them to understand the reading. And Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, or governor, and Ezra the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, This day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. And then he said unto them, Go your way, eat the fat, and drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people, saying, Hold your peace. For the day is holy, neither be ye grieved. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions and to make great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. And you may be seated tonight, and I sort of emphasize some of those words because uh, some of those words is what I'm teaching and preaching on tonight. There are probably some who come to Calvary Baptist Church and say, man, that church is just way too happy. 
I mean, there's way too happy, way too friendly. I know, I know it uh, boggles your mind, but there are people like that. Uh, but I believe this. I believe that that's what God designed for his church and for worship. And we're going to show you that tonight. So I'm going to pray quickly, and then we're going to jump right into the Bible study. And I'll take, I mean, literally just a, a, a few seconds, and we'll review what we've already learned. And then we're going to get into a brand new point tonight that uh, I hope is going to be a help to you. So let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your blessings. And Lord, what, a, uh, what an opportunity we have to be here tonight. Uh, Lord, I know by this time we're starting to, Lord, physically, some of our people are starting to run out of fuel, uh, physically speaking. And so, Lord, I pray right now, supernaturally, supernaturally, that, Lord, you would give them stamina, and I pray you'd give them a dose of energy right now, where, Lord, at least for the next few moments, they could uh, listen intently and gain something from the precious Word of God. You've been so good to us today, and you're good to us every day. And, Father, we praise you. We praise you for that. And, and uh, Lord, if people want to fault us for being a praising church, they'll just have to keep on faulting us. And, Lord, I pray that we'll praise you until the trumpet sounds. You're a good God. You're a great God. And we praise you tonight. So, Lord, teach us, please, from your, uh, your <clears throat> incredible word tonight. And we thank you and praise you for all these things. In Jesus' name we pray. And for his sake and all God's people said, <clears throat> amen. So we learned several things. And uh, let's see here. Number one, we worship that wor- uh, worship <clears throat> was enormously important. And the whole foundation behind the series that we're doing is that the Old Testament makes such a big deal about worship. Now, I know that we're living under grace now, and we're not living under that Mosaic law, but uh, as you, if you've been in the study, we took a little time to teach on why the Word of God, uh, even in the Old Testament, makes such a big deal concerning worship. Now, several things. We said, number one, worship encompassed God's redemptive plan. If you go back and study the old tabernacle, if you go back and study the uh, vessels that were in the tabernacle, the utensils that were in the tabernacle, all those things were type. I mean, all those things are a picture of Christ and they're a picture of salvation. And so worship was so important because worship was a picture of God's redemptive plan, but also we said that worship encouraged the presence of God. Uh, God inhabits the praises of his people. And so worship is enormously important. And then Wednesday night, we learned this and we spent the whole time on this, that worship uh, in the Old Testament, especially New Testament as well, but uh, in the Old Testament, worship was an event. It was an event. It was never haphazardly thrown together. Never It was always planned, it was prepared, it was prayed for, it was practiced. I mean, a lot of time and effort and energy uh, went into worship. And uh, boy, that's why God showed up because uh, he, uh, God honored that. And so worship was enormously important. Worship was an event. But I want to go a little further tonight. How about this? Number three, we noticed that worship was enjoyed. Worship was enjoyed. Now, what do you mean, Pastor? Well, let me give you a couple sub-points here tonight. Just three. Number one, worship was an experience that was meant to be enjoyed. 
Now let's go back and look at it in our Bibles tonight. Look at Nehemiah chapter eight in your Bibles and, and look at verse number six with me. Nehemiah chapter eight and verse number six. And boy, here they are having a, boy, they're having a service and they've been standing in the, uh, in the street now from morning till midday and Ezra has been reading the word of God and the, uh, these helpers, someone is right hand, someone is left hand. They're helping, you know, uh, teach the people and help the people have understanding. And look at verse number six. The Bible says, and Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and all all the people answered, amen, amen, with lifting up their hands and they bowed their heads and worshiped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Now, I don't know about y'all, but you know what that sounds like to me? It sounds like somebody's enjoying themselves and they are connecting with the service. They are participating. They're not just spectators, but they are participators and they are enjoying this service. Skip down to verse number nine. If you were verse number nine, the Bible says in Nehemiah, which is the Tershatha, and as with the priest, the scribe, and the Levites that taught the people, said unto all the people, this day is holy unto the Lord your God. Mourn not nor weep, for all the people wept when they heard the words of the law. But look at verse 10. Then he said unto them, go your way, eat the fat, drink the sweet, and send portions unto them for whom nothing is prepared. For this day is holy unto our Lord. Neither be ye sorry, for the joy of the Lord is your strength. So the Levites stilled all the people saying, hold your peace for the day is holy. Neither be ye grieved, verse 12. And all the people went their way to eat and to drink and to send portions. And look at this last line here. And to make great mirth because they had understood the words that were declared unto them. Great mirth, mirth. Maybe not a word that uh, we use a lot in this day and time, but the word mirth there means glee. It means gladness. It literally means a happy issue. <laughs> these people, these people have, had an issue. They had an issue, and it was a happy issue, and they were excited that God was teaching them his word, and they were understanding the word of God, and they weren't just spectators but they were participators and they were enjoying the service. Now, let's do this. Let's skip around just a little bit tonight. And I want you to take your Bibles and turn over to the book of 2 Samuel chapter number six with me tonight. 2 Samuel chapter six. Worship is an experience that was meant to be enjoyed. 2 Samuel chapter six and look at verse number 12. Notice this. 2 Samuel chapter six and verse number 12. And it was told King David, saying, The Lord hath blessed the house of Obed-Edom, and all that pertaineth unto him because of the ark of God. So David went, went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom into the city of David with what? With gladness. And it was so that when, they, that when they that bear the ark of the Lord had gone six paces, he sacrificed oxen and fatlings. And the Bible says in verse 14, and David danced before the Lord. Now, I can promise you this wasn't the dish rag twist or the skunk skedaddle. I can promise you that. Uh, but, I, but what the Bible is saying is this, that David just got in the spirit. I mean, he just got full. I mean, he just got so full that he couldn't sit still. And listen, I don't know if you've ever got to that place where you just got so full, you couldn't sit still. But I'm gonna tell you something, you might ought to try it before you knock it because it's a pretty good thing. Boy, sometimes, and, I tell, and I, you've heard me say this, I'm a, I'm a better worshiper in private than I am in public. And boy, sometimes I'm going down the road and I've got the nun sisters playing or man, I've got something playing 
And brother, it's, I'm going down the road 70 mile an hour and it's like God opens the door and gets in with me. And man, I'm telling you, it gets so thick in that truck sometimes. And man, if you go by me, if you go by me, I'm sure people are like, man, what in the world? That guy's having, he's having, that guy's having a seizure. He's having a seizure over there. And uh, no, I'm not either, man. I'm just happy in the Lord. And that's what's going on with David. The Bible says, and David danced before the Lord. And look at this, look at this church. With all his might, the Bible says. And David was girded with a linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel Brought up, the house, brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Oh, listen, Calvary. I believe there's a great truth for us to learn here tonight. That worship is, a, is an experience that God designed to be enjoyed. Now, listen, I don't think this happens, but every once in a while, there may be somebody that comes to this church and think, Preacher, uh, we just, uh, you know, church is just too much fun. I mean, this church is, this, this, this place is just, it's just too happy. No, I don't believe it's too happy. I believe it's exactly the way God wanted it to be. Worship was designed to be enjoyed. Now, I'm emphasizing that point because I'm getting ready to make a very important next point. And the next statement that I want to say is this. Worship was never designed to be endured. Worship was designed to be enjoyed. It was never designed to be endured. Were you just, you just getting through it? Now, someone says, Pastor, was there ever a time in the Bible, since we're studying Old Testament, was there ever a time in the Bible when that was the case? And there was. In fact, I want you to see it tonight. I want you to take your Bibles and turn to the book of 2 Samuel, or 1 Samuel, I'm sorry, 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter number 2 in your Bibles. And you know, the Bible tells us this, that there was a time in Israel when worship, uh, worship was not enjoyed. And the Bible is also very clear to tell us that it was a time when God was very displeased with Israel. Now, look at it with me, if you will. 1 Samuel chapter 2, and look at verse number 12. The Bible says, now the sons of Eli, who's Eli, pastor? Eli's the priest. Eli is the religious leader of that area, that congregation, if you want to say that. He would sort of be like the pastor today. Now, the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. Belial, what does that mean? Worthless. They were worthless. Uh, that word Belial is the idea of somebody that's sorry. And so the sons of Eli were sons of Belial. And look what it says here. They knew not the Lord. Now watch verse 13, very important. The Bible says, and the priest custom with the people was. That's important. We, we, we specify something right there. It does not say this was God's custom. It was the priest's custom. Be careful about man-made customs. And the priest's custom with the people was that when any man offered sacrifice, the priest servant came while the flesh was in seething, with a flesh hook of three teeth in his hand, and he struck it into the pan or kettle or cauldron or pot, all that the flesh hook brought up, the priest took for himself. So they did in Shiloh and all the Israelites that came thither, also before they burnt the fat, the priest servant came and said to the man that sacrificed, give flesh to roast for the priest, for he will not have sodden flesh of thee, but raw. 
And if any man said unto him, let, not, let them not fail to burn the fat presently and then take as much as thy soul desireth, then he would answer him, nay. This is the priest speaking, by the way. Nay, but thou shalt give it me now. And if not, I'll take it by force. Verse 17, look, look at it. The Bible says, wherefore, the sin of the young men was very great before the Lord. Why was it great? Look at the last part. For men abhorred the offering of the Lord. Now, you say, Pastor, what, in the world, what, what does that mean? Well, back in Old Testament days, when the people would bring a sacrifice, a portion of that sacrifice would go to the priest. To, to take care of the priest, like you take care of the pastor, a portion of their sacrifice would go to the priest and would take care of the priest, take care of his family. Uh, and uh, now the reason I said this was the priest's custom and not God's custom because God had already set forth in the law what was designed to go to the priest. And the priest normally, normally the priest took the shoulder. That was the, that was the portion that was always designated to the priest. But the Bible, and, and also, by the way, something else, the priest never took the fat. You know why? It was God's. And so these people were coming to the priest and they made up all these new customs and, and they said, I want that piece and I want that piece and give me this and, uh, and, uh, and I want that fat right there. And they were saying, but, but sir, that's supposed to go to the Lord. And they said, give it to me now or I'll take it by force. And the Bible says that men abhorred, abhorred the offering of the Lord. In other words, you know what it's saying? Men no longer wanted to come and worship. They no longer wanted to bring, no longer wanted to bring the offering. And those who did were just enduring. Now, I said all that to say this. It is such a shame because what I just detailed and explained is the experience that people have every single week of their life. They don't enjoy worship. They don't enjoy church. They just endure it. They, they have no desire to come. Now they come, in a lot of respects they come, but it's not because they want to come. They know they need to come, and so they just come on. But uh, the whole time they're looking at their watch, they can't wait to get out, uh, and it's not an enjoyable experience. Now someone says, Pastor, why is that? Why would worship not be enjoyed? Well, several reasons I wrote down here. Number one, it could be because the church is dead. A lot of dead churches nowadays. We live, and, I, and I, I, I think I can say this, we live in the Bible Belt. I said that Wednesday night. We live in the Bible Belt where their, their uh, churches are a dime a dozen. I mean, there's another one right around the corner. But I'm telling you, just because we have a lot of churches in the South doesn't mean that a lot of churches are hitting on a whole lot. And it is a shame, and I don't say this with any kind of uh, uh, gladness in my voice tonight, but it is a shame what's going on in the name of church tonight. A lot of churches are dead and dried up as they can be. I'm talking about everything's dead. I'm talking about the singing's dead. I'm talking about the choir's dead. I'm talking about the offerings are dead. The preaching is dead. The fellowship is dead. The music is dead. It's just dead. And no wonder people come. A lot of churches are more similar to a funeral home than they are a worship service. Music's quiet. People come in, don't say a whole lot. Hey, how you doing? Good to see you. Hey, hey. Good to see you. I mean, it's like, it's like a funeral home. 
Now, now again, I'm saying this church was never designed to be like that. Uh, they tell us that 80 to 85% of American churches have either reached a plateau or are in decline. 80 to 85, now think about that, Calvary. 80 to 85% of American churches have either plateaued, that's as, that's as high as they're gonna go, or they are in a steep decline. 3,500 to 4,000 churches go out of business every single year in America. No wonder. It's no wonder. And so uh, people are enduring worship maybe because the church is dead. But I put this down. It could be because the church is unwelcoming. Polls, uh, polls show us that visitors sometimes determine within the first few seconds if they'll ever return. You know what that means? That means that long before they hear me preach, they've already decided whether they're coming back. And I want to just, listen, I want to just uh, address something tonight quickly, if I could. Uh, well, God's blessed us, hasn't he? And God's given us a beautiful place to worship. And man, I just walk in here sometimes, and I, I, I honestly, I'm just, I'm just in awe of what God has done at Calvary Baptist Church. And as COVID moves out, and as the church comes back, and I believe it is, I believe that little by little, uh, people are making their way back to the house of God. And, and I believe this, I believe in 2022, uh, uh, unless the Lord has different plans, I believe in 2022 that we're gonna see growth, great growth take place at Calvary. And I said that to say this, Calvary, I'm talking to our church members right now, church members, Calvary, don't get too attached to this thing right here. And I know we are, we're creatures of habit. I got it. We sit in the same, I, I get it. We sit in the same place. Years ago when we were, how many remember the, the service we had up here at, on Easter when the building wasn't here? We put the cross, Brother Allen, we put the cross right about the place where the pulpit was gonna be and there was nothing but grass and trees and we all came up here for a sunrise service, didn't have any chairs. Everybody just stood up, and it's crazy that when we had that service that day, everybody stood in the exact same place they sat down in the old building. <laughs> exact same place. And I get it. I know we're creatures of habit. I get it, but I'm just saying this. Calvary, listen to me now. Don't you get too attached to that seat right there. And if you come in a little later than you should and a visitor uh, is, is sitting in your seat, don't you dare, don't you dare dare ask that visitor to move. And if you do, don't you dare tell me. Because then I'm going to have to go home and I'm going to have to pray, God, please help me to forgive that church member. Please help me to forgive them. Lord, I, I don't want to have hard feelings against them. Listen, nobody, nobody owns a chair in here. This is God's house. This is God's chair. These are God's instruments. This is God's pulpit. This is God's platform. And, and if you walk in one day and, and somebody is, uh, is in your place, man, just extend your hand. Yes, amen. Just extend your hand out and say, man, I'm so glad to have you here today. I normally sit here, but you beat me here. And so you just have a good time and enjoy the Lord. And uh, we're going to go somewhere else and say, and by the way, while I'm on that really good tonight, you know what? It might not hurt a few of you every once in a while just to move somewhere else. Just move. You say, why, preacher? It just, it might help you. Because this is, as this place fills up, 
You, you, listen, the chairs are going to get less and less and less. It's going to get less and less and less. Now, listen, if you lay your Bible down here or something like that, and this place starts filling up, let me tell you what you ought to do. If you see visitors walk in, if you see visitors walk in, and you can tell they're looking for a seat, you know what the Christ-like thing to do would be? Would be say, hey, how are y'all doing? It's great to have, listen, y'all sit right here. Y'all sit right here. We got other chairs. Man, we got other chairs back here behind the walls. And if you want to get your own little personal chair, I'll let you put it anywhere you want to put it, you know. But it, listen, church, now we're being a little facetious tonight, but I'm telling you, it's a sad day in America. Because what I just preached on, a little humorous tonight, what I preached on, it's happening all over. And visitors are walking in and they're made to feel unwelcome. Man, I hadn't told this story in probably years and years. Man went to, to see a prominent Bible college. And um, he just wanted to go see it. Been around for a long time, had you know a history behind it. And he just wanted to go see it. And so he was going to go and visit the chapel service. And so he came to the college and went around the campus and took a tour. And they were having chapel that day. And so he walked into this big old chapel, big old chapel. And he didn't know. And he just sat down in a chair. He was a visitor. Just sat down in a chair. A little bit later, right before the service got ready to start, uh, a, a, a student, a ministerial, a ministerial student, wow, preacher boy, came in and came down to where this gentleman was seated and said, you're in my seat. And the guy said, I'm sorry. He said, I know you are. Get up. That's my seat. And you'll have to find another seat. Embarrassed the guy, just embarrassed him right in front of everybody and made him get up, a visitor, made him get up and, and, and leave. And that preacher boy, the hope of America, amen, sat down in that seat. But the story didn't end there. That preacher boy graduated from Bible college and a church called him. And he went to that church to candidate and uh, I'll give you three guesses on who was on the pulpit committee. Oh, yeah, the guy he made get up and move. How many thinks he got that church? I don't think so, brother. Oh, listen, a lot of times people endure worship because it's an unwelcoming place. It's an unwelcoming church. I wrote this down. It could be because the church is shallow or not preaching doctrine. Now, again, I'm just saying this, Calvary. Worship was an experience that was meant to be enjoyed. How about this quickly? Number two is this worship was enjoyed by everyone. Now look back real quickly, look back at our scripture tonight, Nehemiah chapter 8, if you will. Nehemiah chapter 8, we're almost done. Hang in there with me, Nehemiah chapter 8, and uh, look at verse number 1 with me tonight. Worship was not only an experience that was enjoyed by everyone, but, or, or, or meant to be experienced, but it was a, uh, worship was enjoyed by everyone. Look at Nehemiah 8 and verse number 1. The Bible says, and all the people gathered themselves together as one man into the street before the water gate, and they spake unto Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law of Moses, which the Lord commanded to Israel. Verse 2, and Ezra brought, uh, Ezra the priest brought the law before the congregation, both the men and women, and all that could hear with understanding upon the first day of the seventh month. Look at verse 3. 
And he read therein before the street that was before the water gate from the morning until midday before the men and the women and those that could understand. That's all the little kid, the, the youth. And the ears of all the people were attentive unto the book of the law. Now, the whole theme, you go back, and I want to challenge you to read Nehemiah chapter 8, but the whole theme be, be behind Nehemiah chapter 8 is that the worship service included everybody. It included everybody. Now, why, why are you preaching that, Pastor? Because there are, there are sometimes when young people get in their minds that worship is only for mom and dad. That worship is only designed for big people. It's only designed for adults. That's not, that's not what the Word of God says. And then there are some other times when parents get the idea that worship is just good for the kids. And so we're going to send the kids, but we're not going to come. Oh, no, no, no. Listen, it's important for us to understand that worship is designed for the whole family, for the whole family. Oh, I love this. Listen, somebody said the family that attends church together stays together. Someone said it like this. Church attendance has been linked to many different things, such as decreased abuse, decreased suicide, decreased teen pregnancy and divorce rates, there's been a significant research done on the topic of church attendance and how it positively affects every member of your family. A 2010 Child's Trend Review indicates that kids from religious backgrounds are less likely to be involved in violence, theft, and vandalism. They're also like, less likely to struggle with substance abuse problems than their peers. This research found that when people attend church regularly, overall mental health and happiness increase and stress levels decrease. Now, again, what's the point? The point is you ought to be in church and you ought to be involved in worship and you ought to be involved in worship as a family. Oh, listen, parents, get your kids in the house of the Lord. And if you're here tonight and you're a young person and your parents aren't coming, man, get your parents involved in the house of the Lord because the family that attends church is the family that stays together. Now, here's the thing. Why, uh, why is worship enjoyable? And here's the reason. Because God created us for the purpose of worship. He created us for the purpose of worship. Um, you can just jot these down. I'll give them to you quickly. Isaiah 43, 21. This people have I formed for myself. They shall show forth my praise. How about, how about uh, Isaiah 43, verse number seven? Even everyone that is called by my name, for I have created him for my glory. I have formed him, yea, I have made him. You know what I believe? I believe that God has placed in the heart of every person He's placed a desire to worship. I believe that. Even your lost coworkers, now they would never admit it. But the way God designed the human body and the human being, God gave them a desire to worship. Listen to this story. I found this story this week. Ann Sullivan was Helen Keller's teacher. Helen Keller was born both blind and deaf. Ann Sullivan would spell out words in her hand. And so once she was finally able to very meticulously teach her signing, she would spell out a word. She'd put her hand in Helen Keller's hand and she would spell out the word in Helen Keller's hand. One day, Ann Sullivan spelled out in Helen Keller's hand, quote, today... I'm going to teach you about God. 
And Helen Keller spelled back in Ann Sullivan's hand, good, I've been thinking about him for a long time. You're saying, wow. How's that even possible, preacher? I'll tell you how. Because there's a God. And God puts in the heart of every man and woman a desire to worship. By the way, that's exactly why, that's exactly why what Brother Wisdom talked to us about on Wednesday night. And he showed us the pictures of people worshiping rats and people worshiping cows and sacrificing their children to cows and people worshiping rivers. You know why? Because in the heart of every man is a desire to worship. That's why people worship a shrine. That's why people worship nature. That's why Native American Indians will worship the wind. Now, here's the thing, though. None of these things bring enjoyment. But when you worship him for whom you've been created, guess what? (laughs) Business is about to pick up. When you get your worship right and you quit worshiping the wind and you quit worshiping the water and you start worshiping him, all of a sudden worship is no longer a drudgery. Man, it becomes a joy. Man, listen to this. Paul Eskelman is a man whose name you may have heard. He's responsible for most of the Jesus films being sent around the world. He sent millions of them. He was talking one time about the Jesus film being shown at a refuge camp in Mozambique, Africa. He said most of those folks had never heard of Jesus, never heard anything about the Bible. And he said here they just fell in love with Jesus through the Jesus film. But when Jesus was arrested, beaten, and led away to be crucified, he said they began to weep and wail and rush to the screen. They created such a stir, such a noise, and such dust that they had to stop the film. He said the sense of God's presence, his power and holiness was so great that no one could do anything but confess sins. When we worship God, we should have an awesome awareness of him and who we are. Eskimo went on to say, finally things settled down and they could start the film again. And then they realized, the people, then they realized that the crucifixion wasn't the end of the story. When Jesus was resurrected, he said the crowd exploded. Almost as if a dam had burst, he said. Everyone began cheering and dancing and hugging one another and jumping up and down. And he said the invitation was given and more than 500 people, almost everybody in the crowd came forward. The next day, that 40-member Mozambique Refuge Church had 500 new members who had come to be a part of the worship service. Now, what made the difference? Who you worship. Who you worship. Man, if you worship the wind, there's not a lot of enjoyment in that. If you worship a river, there's not a lot of enjoyment in that. You worship a rat, you can count me out. That lady that was bound down before that snake we saw on Wednesday night? No, sorry, friend, not me. But man, when you get your worship right, And you start worshiping the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And you know what? When you get in the right kind of church, worship ought to be enjoyed. It ought to be enjoyed. Let's bow our heads tonight. Father, we thank you for this time we've had together this evening. Lord, thank you for challenging, once again, us concerning this thing of worship. Father, help us never to endure it. God, every time... We get here and before we get here, may we come praying and asking you to meet with us 
Breathe upon us. God, every time we show up, may we come praying, oh, Holy Spirit, do something significant. Do something great. God, give us a great spirit today. Lord, help there to be an electricity in the air. Why? Because we don't want to just endure the service. Father, we want to enjoy the service as we worship the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Father, thank you for this time we've had together tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd have your way in this invitation. Lord, it could be there's somebody here tonight that doesn't know Christ as their personal Savior. Lord, we read that passage tonight about the joy of the Lord is your strength. Lord, it could be that there's somebody here tonight that doesn't have the joy of the Lord. And so tonight, if that's the case, would you give them the wherewithal to come and let us take a Bible and show them how to be saved? Father, we won't embarrass them. We won't make them give a speech, nothing like that. We just like to take the word of God and show them how they can know that they know that they know that they're going to heaven when they die. Lord, in 2022, would you help us to be good worshipers? Good worshipers at church, good worshipers away from church. But God, help us to be involved in worship. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed tonight. And let me ask a question or two. We're going to go. How many are here tonight would say, Pastor, if I died tonight, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that I've been born again by the grace of God. I know I'm on my way to heaven tonight without anybody looking. If you can say that, you just slip your hand up tonight. Pastor, I know, I know, I know. Thank you. You can lower your hands. Can I ask you this, though? I promise you I won't embarrass you. Is there one here tonight anywhere Maybe somebody watching my wave live stream. And tonight you'd say, Preacher, if I died tonight, I'm going to be honest. I'm not sure I'd go to heaven. Pastor, I want to go. I want to go. I don't want to go to hell. I want to go to heaven. But I'm just not sure about it. I'm not sure I would. And I care enough to slip up my hand and let you pray for me. How many are like that? God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that. Is there another tonight? Preacher, if I died tonight, I'm not 100% sure I'd go. I want to go, Pastor. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I want to go to heaven. I'm just not sure I would. And would you pray for me tonight? Is there another like that anywhere? Can I pray for you? Can I pray for you? How many are here tonight? You'd say, Pastor, I need you to pray for me. I want to be a better worshiper in 2022. Man, I'm learning that he is worthy and I want to be a better worshiper. If that's you, you just slip your hand up tonight. God spoke to your heart. Amen. Amen. Would you stand with us all over the house tonight? Our heads are bowed. I'm going to ask our personal workers if they would tiptoe down to the altar tonight. We're going to have what we call an invitation service here at Calvary. Invitation. And we're going to give some folks an opportunity to, to respond. Maybe some Calvary folk need to respond. Maybe tonight you need to come around this altar and just pray for, for, pray for the lost. That'd be a good thing to do. But if you're here tonight and you say, Brother Pope, I'm not sure about heaven. I, I want to go, but I'm just not sure. Would you do this in just a moment? Would you step out and come? We've got some folks up here with Bibles in their hands. and Now, the devil will give you every excuse in the book, but he's a liar. 
We're not going to make you give a speech. We're not going to make you say anything in front of the church. We're not going to do anything like that. Nothing, nothing. But we would like to just show you how you can know that you're going to heaven when you die. And so I want to encourage you to come. I'm going to pray for you right now. And so, Father, thank you for this time we've had together tonight. And, Lord, I pray right now that you would do a lasting work and an eternal work. Father, I remember the day 40 years ago. How can it be that? I remember the day when I came to know Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Father, I remember being under conviction of the Holy Spirit. I remember hearing the preacher preach about hell and heaven. And I remember not knowing whether I was going to heaven or not. Father, I am so glad. Oh, thank you, Lord, for that day when I finally got it nailed down. And I came to know Christ as my personal Lord and Savior. Father, help nobody to leave this place tonight not knowing. I pray you'd help Christians to come and pray. And Lord, I pray that you'd help the lost to come tonight and be saved. So, Father, have your way, please, right now. And we thank you and love you in Jesus' name. And our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If you're here tonight and there's a need, would you step out right now? Would you just step out and come? I know these uh, aisles, they seem about a mile long, but if you'll step out, man, we'll meet you. We want to try to help you tonight. Would you come? Calvary, would you pray right now? Would you pray? We're going to pause just for a moment, just for a moment. If you need to come, we're here for you. Would you come while we wait tonight? Folks are praying. That's right. Amen. Lord, speak into your heart. We're rooting for you tonight. Would you come? Amen. Oh, well, I'm so glad there's help with the Lord. Man, oh, man. Thank God I go to a church that's all about helping people. Are there others? Are there others? Would you step out and come? Well, folks, this is a good time to come. So, Father, I pray you're working in hearts right now. I believe you are. Oh, Lord, help us to do your will and not our own. Father, I pray you'd give victory tonight. Lord, I pray that you'd snatch some out of the fire tonight. God, tonight, I pray that you would work, work in hearts. Oh, God, I pray you would. Father, help folks to be saved. God, help us to be good worshipers. Father, help us to worship you in spirit and in truth. Lord, continue to minister now during this time of invitation. We thank you in Jesus' name.